Thank you for downloading this message from Roots Community Church. We pray that you are encouraged by the word. If you're looking for more information, please visit us at rccphoenix.com. The beginning of the year, everyone kind of resets their priorities. And what do they call them? New Year's? Resolutions. Resolutions. Y'all are, y'all are nice tonight. Y'all are talking back to me. I feel good. I feel good. <laughs> um, um, so what I did, what I did was I did a quick Google search earlier today, and I thought this would be fun because I think you can probably pick most of these out without even knowing what they are. But um, I did a quick Google search of the most common New Year's resolutions for 2020, and it came back with eight major results. Let's see if you guys can know which these are. Number one, uh, blank more. Money? Oh, it's exercise more. Yep, there you go. Exercise more is number one. That was the first one. Second one, uh, similar, lose, wait, wait, I was waiting for somebody to say lose a person, (laughs) Uh, but no one said that, so that's good. Uh, Number three, uh, this is a get, (laughs) everybody said money, we need to pray at this, get organized, get organized is the third one. Uh, Number four. Uh, blank, a new skill or hobby. Learn. learn, yep, learn, learn or find, yeah, learn a new skill or hobby. Number five, live blank to the blank. Live life to the fullest. Bam, there you go. You guys, yeah, don't be Googling these right now. Just, just have some fun and just roll with it. Number six, blank more money and blank less money. Save more money. Save more money. And spend less money. Save more money, spend less money. That's right. All right. Number seven, quit. Smoking. Somebody got it back there. Smoking. Quit smoking. Number eight. Number eight. Uh, anybody got that one? Spend more time. Spend more time with family and friends. <clears throat> Spend more time with family and friends. Now, what I thought was unique and interesting is that I also googled the same phrase for the last five years: 2016, 17, 18, 19, and 20. Right? I did. I did it for the, all the way through, um, and six of the eight are exactly the same for every year. So anybody got a guess on which which one? Lose weight. Save Lose money. weight. Yep. Save money, spend money. Yep, the money one. Um, Actually, yeah, the smoking was, but on different years it switches. Some years it's quit drinking. Next year's quit smoking. Next year's quit drinking and smoking. So it's it's all similar. Yep, they exercise more. Spend time with family. Spend time with family. Yep. One more. Live life to the fullest. That is the same one for every year. So as I kind of read through these, I thought, man, that's very interesting that most people have, you know, the same New Year's resolutions and goals for every year. But as I, you know, got into um, looking at some of the analytics and the studies, 80 to 90% of the New Year's resolutions that are made on January 1st are broken by February 1st. 80 to 90% don't make it a month 
They don't make it through four weeks and a, and a portion of them don't make it through two weeks. <clears throat> so as I began to look at some of these things and think about, you know, man, what do I want to do for the new year? And I think maybe some of you guys have kind of had that same thought, like, what are my New Year's resolutions going to be? Or what do I want to change? You know, and maybe there's some of these things on your list. Maybe this is your whole list. Maybe you just Googled it and wrote it down for yourself. But, <clears throat> but I hope you didn't do that. But one of the things that we'll find is that the reason people break these resolutions and don't follow through with the promise and plan that they made to their self is because their motive is wrong. There's an old saying, and it's the next line in your notes, there's an old saying that says, if the why is high, the cost is low. If the why is high, W-H-Y, like why do I do something, the cost is low. And basically what that means is, if the reason or the motive you have for making this change is desperately important to you, you have a massive priority on the reason, the why or the motive for making this change, it doesn't matter how much money, how much time, how much lack of sleep, how much effort, how much discipline it costs you, you will give it because the motive is huge to you. It's massively important. The why is high. If your motive is very important for you, then whatever it costs you to accomplish that goal is nothing. Even if it's things that you value a lot, like money, time, or sleep, like those are big for me. Sleep is at the top of the list. But they become less and less important because my motivating factor is massive. <clears throat> so before we start, and if you've already made out some lists of some things you want to do this year, that's cool. Just put them to the side. My guess is at the end of the message, you're probably going to want to change some of those or give a new life to some of them. But what I want to do is I want to look at the motives for these changes. Why? Because the motive matters. So the, one of the things that I want to encourage us to do before we make a list of all the things that we want to do and all the things we want to change and all the things that are going to be our New Year's resolution for this coming year, I want us to do a couple things, all right? And I, and I can't make you do these, but I want to strongly, strongly, strongly encourage you to do all of these things over the next few weeks, okay? So number one, it's on number one in your notes, abide with Christ. Abide with Christ. This word abide, you may remember... Um, us talking about abiding in Christ at the end of November because we wrapped up a series and this was the scripture about to read is one of the scriptures we use, but it's applicable for this as well. That word abide means to remain, to stay put, not leave, abide. <clears throat> Let's read John 15, 4 and 5. Remain, that's the, that's the word right there, remain in me and I will remain in you for a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit, for apart from me, you can do nothing. That is Jesus talking to his followers, saying, if you're going to separate from me, if you're going to separate and try to make it on your own, you're going to detach from me the faith that you have in me, the power that I give you. If you're going to try to detach from that, you can do nothing. So no matter what you put on that list, no matter what New Year's resolutions or goals you have, 
None of them are going to ultimately come to fruition unless you remain connected to him. Remaining with the Lord first requires us coming close to him. It's next line in your notes. And then staying close to him in every life scenario. So if I'm going to remain, I have to get there. So getting there, having a faith in God, getting close to him, developing that relationship, and then staying there next to his side, regardless of what happens in life. That is abiding with Christ. You know, as I get a little bit older, um, the things that I admire change. I mean, I'm only in my late 20s, so this has been like a quick change for me. Oh but my gosh. What are you doing? <laughs> my wife is selling me out right here. Um, so as I, as I get old, as, and I look back at my younger years and I go, man, I used to look at people who had like massive businesses, a big net worth, or they had, you know, from a ministry perspective, like a really big church or something like that. They had all these, these things. I used to look at them with such admiration. And then as I got to be a little bit older and God opened some doors for us to kind of do some more things in life and ministry and I got some more experience, I started meeting some of the people that ran those things. And as I began to meet some of those people, not all of them, but there was a lion's share of people that I met that I went, ooh, I don't know that I want to be like this just to be considered successful because when I saw who they were and what they were away from the, ooh, the picture that they painted from, every, from themselves to everybody else, I went, it's kind of tarnished for me. As I began to get older, one thing began um, to raise to the surface and become a priority for me. And the thing that began to impress me as I got older was faithfulness. People who stuck it out. Who when it got hard, they kept their word. When things got tough, they pushed through when they knew that God had told them to go do something and they faced a massive pushback or, or catastrophic scenarios in their life, what did they do? They stayed faithful to the call, faithful to the promise of God, faithful to what they knew was right to do. That right there is the thing that I find most people who are my age or older, which is almost everybody, but anybody older than me looks at and goes, that's the real deal. All that money comes and goes, all the business comes and goes, all the fame will come and go, all the notoriety will come and go, but that faithfulness, that remaining, keeping my word to God, keeping my word to my wife or to my husband, keeping my word to my kids, remaining faithful, those things become the height of admiration. I'm reminded of the scripture that at the, when we stand before Christ at the end of time, he's going to look at us when we go to heaven after we die, and he's going to say, well done, thy good and faithful servant. I, well, I, you know, I heard that, but in my mind I was like, yeah, but well, did that, well done, thy good and successful servant. Well done, thy good and popular servant. Well done, thy good and known servant. No, faithful so, when we're talking about abiding in Christ, I don't want us to look at it like a thing that we have to do. 
Oh, I gotta exercise more. Oh, I gotta bike in Christ. No. We have to dr drill down deeper because the motive matters. Why do we need to abide in Christ? John 15, 7 and 8. <clears throat> if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. You may stop at the scripture and go, you may ask for anything you want and I, it will be granted. Man, I thought you told me it's not how it works. That you don't get, just go to God and say, I'm going to do what you want and you're going to give me whatever I want. I thought it wasn't all about the blessings, everything I want. You're right, it's not. If you read the entire the context of this scripture, what he's saying to us as his followers is saying, if you're remaining in me, if you are faithful to me and my word is in you, you have kept your, my word in your heart so that you may not sin against me. If we have done all of those things, what's going to happen in our heart is we're going to have a change. And what we want will be closer to what he wants. And when we what want what he wants, he is going to give it no matter what. Any appetite that dissolves in God's presence was rooted in our flesh. I'm going to say that one more time. Any appetite that dissolves in God's presence was rooted in our flesh. When I abide with Christ, my why changes from I want to be seen by others to I want to bring glory to God. Many people, when they make these New Year's resolutions, these new goals for themselves for the year, they look in comparison and envy and jealousy to these other people that have the things that they want to have, have the status they want to have, and they go, I want that, so I'm going to go do everything that they did more so to go get that. And in doing so, we see what the motive really is. Look at me. I am successful. Follow my path. I have made something of myself. I am leaving some legacy that it will outlast me. I am doing this. I, I, I look at me. But when you get closer to God, when you remain faithful to him by his side, that changes Instead of look at me, I want everything I do to bring glory to him. And when your motive is I want to bring glory to him, the things that you want to do begin to change. And those things, you look at your list and go, oh man, those are just the same old things everybody always wants to do. I want to bring glory to him. How do I do that with what I've been given? I'm going to have Nina at, some of the, at the end of these three points sing just a quick little chorus and hymn that we can kind of take a moment, sing these words, and let what we just said sink in for a bit. Our why, when we abide next to Christ, changes from us wanting to be seen into God wanting to get the glory from our life. Draw me near 
Fasting and prayer. <clears throat> Fasting and prayer. <clears throat> See, fasting is an outward physical act of an inward spiritual principle. When we're fat, when we fast, we're telling the Lord with our actions that He is more important than anything to us, including what we're giving up. If you go back through the Old and New Testament and all throughout Scripture, typically fasting has to do with food. In almost every instance that I've found and read, fasting is related to giving up food. Sometimes it's just for a certain day, for a certain meal. Sometimes it's certain types of food that people give up. But regardless, it's based around food a lot. Why? Why is it? primarily based around food well the, the answer to that is because it deals with our fleshly appetites it deals with our fleshly appetites <clears throat> when we go into a time of fasting what we're saying to god with our actions is the food that i eat i have an appetite for and it sustains me but i trust you more than what i am putting in my belly to sustain me I am trusting you, my appetite for you is greater than my appetite for anything that is of the flesh. 
my appetite for him has to be bigger. And when we, when we fast, what we're showing to him is that I am showing you physically, I'm denying something that I want because I want you more. She just sang the perfect song, You're All I Want. <clears throat> the food we eat as human beings keeps us alive and we have been designed to, to need that, but your spiritual life, which is much more important, has been designed to need communion with God. And when we take the time that we would give towards uh, eating or eating a certain way or that time that we set aside for this and we say, I'm going to push that away and I'm going to use that time to spend with God, I am showing him not only in, out of my words but through my actions that my appetite for him is greater than anything else that I want. And the biblical times, people who would fast would make it a big show. They would they would not you know take a bath or they'd leave their hair all mangled. They wouldn't wash their clothes and they would draw this attention to themselves and walk around like, oh my gosh, I'm not doing well. Why I'm fasting? And Jesus addresses these people directly in Matthew six chapter or chapter six verses sixteen through eighteen. So Jesus saying this directly to his followers, when you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly I tell you, they've received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your father who is unseen and your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Here, I like, the, I like the first three words of the scripture. When you fast. Doesn't say if you do, or if you want to, or if this happens to be something that you would fit into your New Year's resolution plan. It says when you fast. This is an implication for us as believers. You don't have to make this a big, huge, you know, uh, discipline, marathon discipline activity where I'm going to go 19 days. I'm going to go 20. I'm going to go 21. Not like that. You're not competing with anybody. What you're saying is I am trying to crush this appetite that it does not rule me, that my appetite belongs to God. The reason this point is fasting and prayer and not just fasting is because I can't find a, sub, a substantive place in scripture where they are apart. You find prayer by itself often, but you never find fasting without prayer. Because if we're going to fast to deny ourselves, we need to replace that appetite with something greater, which is our time in communion with God, abiding with him, remaining faithful to him. If not, and we're just not eating, call it what it is, it's just a weight loss program. <clears throat> Some people, you know, eliminate all food for a certain couple of days. Some people eliminate, you know, meat and sugar based on some, uh, um, the example of Daniel in the Old Testament. Some people can't do that because they have a specific medical condition. That's fine. I want to encourage us to find something to fast. What can I use if I can't use food, Matt? Something that you have an appetite for. 
It could be social media. It could be television. It could be a number of different things that, that, that take up time and um, challenge the affection of your heart for God. It can be those things, whatever it is. I want to encourage you to fast, but don't just give it up in some, you know, religious exercise or religious principle. Re accompany it and replace those things with time in prayer. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 through 8, Jesus gives us some direction on how we should pray as well. Here's what he says. And when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners, to be seen by others. See what their motive is? Truly, I tell you, they have re received their reward in full. But when you pray, go in your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, don't keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Don't be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you even ask Him. In both of these scenarios, we find people who are fasting, they, they do it because they do what? Look at me. Look at what I'm doing. So Because they want to gain some kind of clout or look better to these people that are around them. He says the same thing about prayer. They do this publicly to be seen by others. Their goal is to put the spotlight on them. But when he's saying, no, there's no spotlight on you, just me and you go off together relationship and what you do and what you want to do and what your goals are will reflect to him. So again, we're not just trying to add fasting and prayer to our list. We're trying to say, why? What is the motive of fasting and prayer? John 3.30 sums it up really, really well. He, being God, must become greater and greater, and I must become less and less. You continue to sacrifice and put to death your appetites and increase the time you spend with God. The appetite for him grows and grows and the appetite for things that are not of him become less and less. When we fast and pray, it's the next line in, our note, in your notes, our why changes from selfish motives to selfless motives. When we get closer to God, our appetites change. Next line. When our appetites change, our desires change. And when our desires change, our plans change. <clears throat> Getting closer to the Lord and remaining close to him is abiding with him, putting to death some of these appetites that we have in the flesh and replacing them with a greater appetite of time with the Lord, coupling that with prayer, not just some religious thing of, oh, I gotta pray. No, I am going to the Father. I am going to my creator. I am staying connected to him. I am talking to him. I am listening to him. I am spending time in his word. All of these things lead to internal changes in us and our desires that result in external changes of our plans. The plans change. But we have to get to a point where we're saying words of the old song like this. I surrender all. 
to those old songs that we used to sing are not merely just the old classics or the old hymns. They are cries from the heart of people who said, my appetite for God has to be the greatest of importance. It has to be above everything else. <clears throat> Number three in your notes, the last thing I'm going to ask you to do, abiding in Christ, prayer and fasting. And number three is this plan with the Lord. Plan with the Lord. Proverbs 16, 1 through 3 says this, We can make our own plans, but the Lord gives the right answer. People may be pure in their own eyes, but the Lord examines their what? Motives. Commit your actions to the Lord, and your plans will succeed. Charles Spurgeon summed up that last verse, commit your actions to the Lord and your plans will succeed very nicely. And he kind of summed it up like this, committing our plans to the Lord means we're submitting our lives to his will. And when we do that, our plans will be to fulfill what the Lord desires. There's another old song that we used to, that we're not going to sing right now, but I just want to remind you of the lyrics. <clears throat> Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. This next line is real important. For the things of this world will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. The more time we have been abiding with him, fasting, in prayer, staying close to his side, at all these things that we thought we wanted at the beginning, like, oh yeah, let's go get that stuff, let's go get this, this is gonna be good, yes, we're gonna make those our goal, yeah, okay. Not all that's bad, but how do those change when I have spent time next to him? Or the things I write down on that paper as goals for myself or write down on my phone as objectives or things I want to accomplish this year, are those the same after I come out of his presence and my guess is that's no. Psalm 37, 3 through 6, trust in the Lord and do good, then you will live safely in the land and prosper. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you your heart's desires. Commit everything you do to the Lord. Trust him and he will help you. He will make your bank account radiate like the dawn. He will make your fame radiate like the dawn. No. He will make your innocence radiate like the dawn. And the justice of your cause will shine like the noonday sun. <clears throat> the justice of your cause, the cause, the reason you're doing what you're doing, your motive, it matters. It matters. <clears throat> so Matt, you have taken the very first time of the year, instead of like rah-rah encouraging us, motivating us to meet it head on, leave 2020 behind, that was a bunch of garbage, just be free and run forward and go, yep, I'm gonna, I wanna destroy every bit of that. Why? Why should we plan with the Lord? 1 Corinthians chapter three, verses 10 through 15 makes us very plain. And this, this, I really, really want you to hear what this says. It's wildly important, okay? 
This is Paul talking to all the believers in the Corinthian church. Because of God's grace to me, I have laid the foundation like an expert builder. The foundation he's talking about is salvation comes through faith in Jesus Christ alone. Okay. <clears throat> now others are building on it. But whoever is building on this foundation must be very careful. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one we already have, Jesus Christ. And anyone who builds on that foundation may use a variety of materials, gold, silver, jewels, wood, hay, or straw. But on the judgment day, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show if a person's work has any value. If the work survives, that builder will receive a reward. But if the work is burned up, the builder will suffer great loss. The builder will be saved, but like someone barely escaping through a wall of flames. I read that scripture earlier to Nina while we were sitting on the end of our bed and she was like folding like a, a shirt or something, you know, out of the laundry. And she stopped halfway through it and said, oh, shoot. As a reminder, we've all read this scripture before, but... At the end of time, everything that we have put our hands to do, every plan that we have made, everything that we have etched out that is going to be our goal, those things God is going to lay into a fire, his judgment, and everything that does not have value, eternal value to him will be gone. What has eternal value to him? Uh, the American dollar? No green little rectangle pieces of paper of no, of no value to him. Uh, popularity? Fame? Influence? What is What matters to him? His commandments are clear. Love him and love people. Serving others and prioritizing them over ourselves to point people back to Christ is what he is all about. That's what this fire is going to discern. Did you do what I asked? Did you follow my commandments? Did you, uh, did you follow what I have directed you as a believer to fulfill? And at the end of time, all that's going to be burned up. And if you're someone who built correctly on top of that, what you built through your life, what you did, your plans are going to remain and there'll be a reward for that. But if we did only what we wanted, selfishly motivated, if our why was ultimately us and for us to be seen and us to be known, if that was our real why, Everything is going to be burned up and we will make it. The builder will be saved, but it's like someone barely escaping through a wall of flames. <clears throat> Ever seen those movies where the guy jumps out of the burning building right before it blows up and he kind of tumbles on the grass. And he's got a couple, you know, scrapes and stuff on him. His ears are ringing, but he's all right. He made it out. That's the kind of the picture here. You make it in by the skin of your teeth because of salvation and you're in, that's great, but there's more for us to do while we're here. <clears throat>
for him. When we make plans with the Lord, our why changes from temporary rule keeping to eternal loving obedience. That's the last line of your notes. When we make plans with the Lord, our why changes from temporary rule keeping to eternal loving obedience. Before we go and make the plans, before we go and say, this is what I'm going to do and what I'm going to give my time to, we got to abide with him. It's got to be faithfulness with him to stay right next to him regardless of what 2021 has in store. We are going to have to sacrifice and put to death fleshly appetites and elevate our appetite for Christ. We're going to have to spend time in prayer and in his word, continually talking and listening to our creator. We're going to have to stay connected to the vine and we're going to have to submit every plan we have to him and let him guide it for us. Does that mean I'm going to write something down and whatever I write down is not going to change throughout the year? Nope. You ain't perfect. God may say run in that direction and you may have interpreted the wrong way and along the line he can close doors, open doors, speak to your heart, say, hey, don't go that way, go this way and navigate you day by day, hour by hour, minute by minute to get to where he wants. But if your entire goal is self-fulfillment of my temporary pleasure and I wanna just follow these rules to knock this out so I can go do what I wanna do instead of eternal loving obedience, then at the end, all of this stuff is going to be burned up. And you, I am a person who hates wasted effort. In business, in life, if I clean something and then my nephew dumps juice on that same spot and I got to go clean it again, my first thing was wasted effort. <laughs> it drives me stinking nuts. I hate wasted effort. And I can tell you at the end of time, I don't want there to be any wasted effort. I don't want the moments and the time and the effort of my life to resonate in a way that is just going to be burned up. I want it to resonate with eternal significance. I give myself away.
take the next two weeks, starting tomorrow, the 14th through the 27th or whatever, if my math is bad, 28th or whatever, <clears throat> the next two weeks and do these things. Get close to the Lord in a way that you don't normally do. Matt, I spend two days a week with him. That's great. Spend three. Spend four. <clears throat> Matt, I get up 20 minutes before work and, and that's my time with the Lord. Great, get up 30. Do something you normally haven't done for the next two weeks to stay closer, to draw closer to Him. Abide with Him. I'm going to ask you to consider over the next two weeks doing something in the form of fasting. And if it's food, great. If it can't be food because of a health condition, no problem at all. We're not trying to be rid, like super legalistic here, trying to say to God, my appetite needs to change. And I'm going to take these fleshly appetites and, and, and submit them to you and replace them with the appetite of him. <clears throat> but I ask you that whatever time you spend in prayer, that it increase the time you spend with him, that you, the, the time you spend listening. For the next two weeks, I want you to do these things. And then as the Lord begins to put things on your heart and show you the things that you need to do and the things you need to stay away from, write those plans down, but make sure they're submitted to him. Why? Because at the end, the only thing that is done for him is what really lasts and matters. We just read that in 1 Corinthians. I don't want any effort that you have given, that I have given, to be wasted effort. Give your life, ring it out for the cause of Christ and what he directs you to do. It may not be specific. It may be start this thing and I'll give you some directions on the way. Whatever it is, I'm gonna ask you to do the same thing I ask you to do every week. What's the Holy Spirit saying to you? Whatever he says to you during these next two weeks of this intense time, this more intense time of spending time and pursuing him than we normally do, whatever he says to do, instantly obey. <clears throat>